You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. We could even add more to that, the gun massacres in, in America and so on. But this is the world in which we live. And I look at all these young faces down here in the front and I'm thinking, wow, I want a better world for them. <laughs> I want a better world for my grandchildren. And I'm sure you want a better world for your children. And if you're blessed enough to have grandchildren, you want a better world for them as well. Well, you're not going to get it under the rule of mankind, but you are going to get it under the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> When Christ returns to this earth, he's going to establish a worldwide kingdom. And he has promised that kingdom to those who prepare themselves for it now. That's our challenge. He wants us to be part of that kingdom. And here is the really good news. The good news is he has promised to give it to us to run. Not the angels in heaven. They've done their bit. He's promised to give it to you and to me to run the worldwide kingdom. Now, how do we know that? Because uh, we're told about this, you know, the idea of passing the baton. The angels are going to pass the workload on to us that prepare ourselves now for this kingdom. The Apostle Paul said in Hebrews 2 verse 5, We know that God has not put the future world under the power of the angels. The angels are going to pass the baton of work across to us. The challenge will be for us to rule this world in righteousness and in peace. And the only way you can ever get peace, by the way, is if you put righteousness in place first of all. That's a principle of the Bible. So this book here, this book tells us how we can be in that kingdom. It tells us, gives us snapshot visions of what the kingdom is going to be like and how we're going to overcome all those problems we saw in that opening clip. Now, when you go on a holiday, and we haven't really been able to do too many holidays, have we, over the last couple of years or so, uh, because of this little bug getting around, but when we do go on a holiday, what's the first thing you do? The first thing you do is you get as much information about the destination you're going to. Correct? Am I right? You you, you know, back in the... (laughs) I'll keep saying the old days. Back in the days before you had these computers and Google... We used to go to a, a, a travel outlet and get brochures on the place and we would read all about it. And that's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. You get excited about where you're heading. Isn't that what you do? Oh, I'm going to go to the snow. I wouldn't know what it's all about, you know. Oh, I'm going to go to Ayers Rock or I'm going to go to Bali or I'm going to go to New Zealand. And you want to find out everything you possibly can about that destination. 
Well, guess what? This book here holds the, the it's, a elect, it's a brochure, if you like, that holds the most amazing information about the destination we're all ultimately heading for, the coming kingdom of God. It's in this book. And even though it's like black words on white paper, if you really look at it and, and with, a, with an, ex, an understanding mind and with imagination, those black words suddenly leap out as if it's one of those pop-up books with all these visions coming at you. And it's just exciting. It makes looking forward to the kingdom the number one thing that should be on in our lives. And, and we need to be looking forward to that as, as much as we possibly can. Now, God has given us some guarantees about this coming kingdom that he, uh, he wants us to be involved with. Uh, he has said the coming kingdom of God, he is going to establish it on this earth and it's not going to be destroyed. There's your first point for all those kids taking notes. First point, it's not going to be destroyed. It's a cast-iron guarantee from God, Daniel 2 verse 44. I will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And here's his second part of this guarantee. No other people will be permitted to rule this kingdom. It won't be President of America, Joe Biden. It won't be Kim Jong-un. And it will not be Vladimir Putin or any other world leader or religious leader. They will not be in charge of this kingdom. Oh, no. Absolutely not. He's not going to leave it to these people to run because they're making, they're making a mess of everything in this world as it is. And I'm not saying they're intentionally doing it, they're just doing it because they're mankind, they're humankind, and we, have, we do not have it in our system to be able to direct our steps. It's not within us, but somebody does. Somebody has the ability to run this world far greater than any of these people and God says I'm not only going to establish it forever I'm going to ensure that these people are not in charge of it certain people will be and will be headed up by none other than his son the Lord Jesus Christ and this is the ultimate plan and purpose of God if there's one passage in the Bible that really leaps out to you as being the ultimate plan and purpose of God it's Numbers 14 21 where God says truly I live there's a statement of fact that God is saying, I live, I'm telling you, truly I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, from the day those words were uttered to this very day, that's never been fulfilled. But it's a prophetical promise that God has made and he's put his name to that promise as a cast iron guarantee that he will fulfil that particular promise. And the, the, the world to come is, is this most Beautiful picture. This is just one of those. This is what we read tonight that Bolton read in Micah 4, verse 4. You know, this is going to just imagine this as being your picture of the kingdom. You, he's, you know, God's saying, don't worry about any trouble spots, there won't be any. Don't worry about thieves and burglars breaking into your house because there won't be any. Don't worry about, you know, d horrible diseases spreading around the globe because there won't be anything, any of that. Don't worry about your mortgages. Your rate's going up because I know there'll be a lot of people worried today that it's all gone up because you won't have to worry about any of those things because in that day, everyone is going to live with peace, prosperity. They're going to enjoy their own grapevines, their own produce. They're living off the land and, and they will have nothing to fear. 
And this is the promise he says. The Lord of heaven has made this promise. Micah chapter 4. He reiterates those words back in Isaiah 2. These are words that we can take hold of as great comforting words, words to know that we have a better future to look forward to. And it's been a promise from God right from the beginning. So what's it going to be like? What is the kingdom going to be like? Well, again, we need to just compare what man has done to this world and then see how God and his son and us, God willing, hopefully by his grace, we will be there because we need to prepare ourselves now, how what we are going to do to change what man has done into something far greater that God wants in this earth. Martin Luther King Jr. made these comments back before he was assassinated. He says, he says, we have flown the air like birds and swum the seas like fish. And by that, he's talking about, you know, we've got all these fancy machines now, particularly weapons of war, where we can fly the, in the sky like birds and we can we control the oceans and swim like fish because we've got all these incredible machines and, and, and military weapons at our disposal. And, and he said, this is, this is what it's like, he says. But he goes on to say, we have flown the birds like, uh, the air like birds, swum like the seas like fish, but have yet to learn the simple act of walking the earth like brothers. I thought that was a very good saying, and it's so true. We, we think we're very clever. We have really come a long way in knowledge, there's no doubt about it. And, and all of, with all that knowledge has come a lot more complex situations and, and systems in which we live in. And unfortunately, along has come all the military build-up of weapons, of frightening weapons that we're seeing being unleashed over there in, in Europe, in Ukraine, Russia. It, it's, just, it's, it's a horrible thought that this is where we're all heading. And the frightening fact is that... There hasn't been a single day since September 1945, which is virtually the end of the Second World War, there hasn't been a single day where the world has been free of war. Not one single day of peace. In, th in fact, generally throughout humanity, you, you could say there's never been peace. Never. There hasn't been any peace on this earth. But what does Christ say? Or what does God say? It's particularly about the return of his son. He says this in Psalm 72. He says, well, that's not the world of the future. The kingdom age is vastly different to that. Psalm 72, in his days, and this is a reference to God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his days shall righteousness flourish and Abundance of peace will be the order of the day. Righteousness and peace, a principle that go hand in hand. You can never have true peace until you've got righteousness in place, doing things that are right. Not in our eyes, in God's eyes. God's righteousness will bring about peace. Well, his days, when are this, when's all this going to happen? Well, well, we'll have a little look at that in a moment. As we said, there's currently uh, 41 wars being fought at the moment. Hostilities, wars, conflicts raging around the world. 41, that's the latest, all right? The major one, of course, happening over there 
in, uh, in Ukraine. And uh, that's uh, dreadful as, as we know it, but also part of Bible prophecy that we can expect to see this happen and fast, uh, vastly more than that than what's going on, we're going to see as well. So there's currently 41 wars, hostilities, conflicts raging all over the world today. But what's God say? Well, in Psalm 46, the Bible tells us and God tells us God's going to put an end to the wars. He's going to put an end to all of these wars all over the earth. They will end. Now, it's hard to get our head around that because I don't know of any time in my short life that there's been no wars. And pretty well everybody here is, and again, we live in Australia, so we're divorced from a lot of this, but you go to Europe and Middle East and other parts of the world and it's been constant wars and fighting. And mankind just doesn't get it. You know, they spend all this money, this huge amounts of money to build up their, their military uh, weaponry. It's totally designed for killing. There's nothing about a tank that's designed to save a life. It's designed to take lives. And they spend all this money, and there's, there's the most expensive military piece of equipment in the world as a single little item, apart from submarines and perhaps aircraft carriers, but the single most expensive plane in the world, at least, is the, the stealth fighter, the bomber. $1.3 billion for that one plane. $1.3 million to build one plane. Its sole purpose is destruction. How smart mankind is, and when you look at how much they're spending, global spending's 1.2 trillion and rising. There's a, a graph or a little counter, if you like, on the screen that will just show you how quick it's actually going up. So this is how much we're spending all the time each day. Doesn't stop 24 hours a day. We're spending this amount of money, which is absolutely crazy because the suggestion is what the world spends on military over two days could save 100 million children from starvation. There's no excuse, really, what's going on in this world, is there? How does man justify that? Well, they can't, but they go about it anyway. God says, I'm going to put an end to that. I'm going to send somebody back who will represent my righteousness and he'll put an end to it. And all those that will be on his side will be helping him put an end to it. That could be us. We hope it will be. So Micah uh, 4 verse 3, uh, which again was read for us tonight, says, Nations will never fight against each other again. They will never train for war again. It'll be a thing of the past. He said, uh, that's, uh, that's a guarantee. So what a world is in, we've got coming up. The kingdom age coming up is nothing short of magnificent. It will be absolutely brilliant. Now comes a part that I want to be involved in when it comes to the kingdom age. And I, uh, I have a particular desire, and I, I'm not 100% certain I'm going to be granted a desire to be in a certain area of work. I don't know. Perhaps we, we might all have a particular desire to be doing something in the kingdom age. Well, um, yours might be similar to mine. I don't know. But I, one thing I can't wait to be involved in is, is fixing up the problems with the poor and needy. Um, you know, your heart goes out to, to these young kiddies and their families and 
through generally no fault of their own, they're in this set of circumstances. 15 million children die every year of hunger. 15 million, you know, two thirds of the population of Australia in children, kiddies, die every year through preventable problems. They could, they, they don't need to die. That's 40,000 children every day die due to lack of food, preventable diseases and poverty. That's huge. There's 250 planes loaded with kiddies on every seat every day dying. And what do we do about it? Well, as we said, mankind spends in two days on the military what they could spend saving 100 million of these kids from starvation, but they don't do it. Two thirds of the world's population are in poverty. Millions and millions and millions go to bed hungry. How's God going to deal with that? How are we going to deal with it? What's going to be the answer to it? Well, he tells us in Ezekiel 36. God says, I will make the grain grow so that you will never again have famines. I will make fruit grow on the trees and the crops grow in fields so that you will no longer suffer. In fact, God goes on to tell us in that prophecy in Ezekiel, I'm going to make food grow where it never normally would ever grow. I'm going to make sure the ground is fertile everywhere and you will be able to grow plenty of sufficient food and famines will be a thing of the past. It'll be absolutely magnificent. That's what's in store for this world and I want to be involved in that work. I want to be a part of the team that goes out there into the African countries and wherever these poor people are, Indian, you know, Sri Lanka, South America, we can name all these countries where these terribly sad pictures of poor kiddies all the time confronting us and I want to be involved in going into their little villages and saying, hey, you want to see the salvation of God? Watch this. And just like that, we'll be able to raise our hand over, over a desert area, you know, just totally desert, because they always seem to be living in arid places where they can't, you know, eke out a living because there's no way to grow food. And they're all kids looking at us going, what's going on? What's going on? Just watch this. And with the power of God, we hold our hands up and say, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. And, and as you do that, and you, you hold your hands out over, the, over those desolate places, suddenly... The ground starts churning up and the water starts coming up and the, the, instead of being sand, it's turning into beautiful, beautiful loam and garden soils and up pops these sprouts and up grows, you know, these, these magnificent wheat crops and vegetables and everything. And their eyes are like this and they cannot believe it because that's what's in store. We're going to go out and save them. Psalm 72 is all about saving the children of the needy. Psalm 72 is a prophecy. Probably the last words of King David and he was transported into the kingdom age and it was looking forward to the king, the king, not him, not Solomon, the king, which is the Lord Jesus Christ returning and with his team it says they're going to go out and save the children of the needy, mentioned four times in Psalm 72. That's in, in fact right up at the beginning of Psalm 72. There's a priority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you don't think... Christ wants to be involved in that. He certainly does, and so does God. They can't wait to do this because they've seen it for decades, centuries probably, particularly in the last you know, industrialised world in which we live where they, those people have been ignored for the increase of the Industrial Revolution and they have just never been able to get off first base as far as 
their life is concerned and God says I'm doing away with that industry side of things and I'm ten my attention is towards these kids and their families and I can't wait to save them. That is what the Bible tells us is going to happen. This picture here was voted the most poignant photo of the, of the turn of the century in the year 2000. It's a very sad picture to look at but it's going to be a thing of the past. You're not going to see any of these images anymore. You won't need charities anymore to be collecting money. You won't have to give money anymore. And it's a good thing that we can do this. But we won't have to sponsor a child anymore. You won't need those. They won't be there anymore. Those, those charities will be gone. Because we'll be going out to save these kids. And that's a promise, as we said, Psalm 72. The Bible tells us very clearly. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, and those that are working with him, you, me, all of us, maybe taking our kids with us over there as mortal kids and going into a village and saying, righto, we're going to show you what it's going to be like to live under our new king, the Lord Jesus Christ. How magnificent will that be? Oh, it'll be just, just fantastic. What a time is waiting for each one of us. And then, of course, you've got the quote in Revelation where it just simply says, sorrow and difficulties and suffering will be done away with. How could that affect maybe those that live in the Western world? I just thought of perhaps coming into the lives of this family. Here's a family, have two children, both born with disabilities, both consigned to live a relatively short life in wheelchairs. And they've had a family photo there and they're looking as happy as they possibly can. But you, could you imagine walking into their lives, taking hold of the kids' hands, offering a prayer to God, and then suddenly you watch and their muscle system, their hands are springing back to being normal hands, the muscle system's all coming back together, their legs are, are getting strength and you can see the muscles coming on and they, they undo that that seatbelt they're in and that wheelchair and they stand up and they jump for joy and they, the, could you even begin to imagine how those kids would feel? Now think of how the parents are feeling. Oh, and that can be multiplied tens and tens of thousands of times all over this world, hundreds of millions of times. There are people in this position everywhere. You probably know some. You imagine going into their lives and doing that for them. No wonder it says that when Jesus returns and sets up a kingdom, the people that are privileged enough to, to be ready to go into that kingdom as mortals will never, ever, ever want to think back on what the, kingdom, what the world was like when they were growing up. They won't want to remember it because this will be how the world will be. It's going to be a magnificent time. Real happiness... Jerusalem will be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. That's just a cameo of one city. It'll be across the world peacefully. You'll be able to send your kids out to play in the playground and not have to worry about any issues that might arise. But these days, we don't often send our kids out to play in public places, do we? Because we're just frightened of what could happen. You won't have to worry about, that, about those matters then. The kids will be able to play at peace 
quietness, the happiness on everyone's faces. There'll be no depression, there'll be no worries, there'll be no drugs to have to take to soothe the mind and the memories and the problems we face with because of our current situation. That, that'll be a thing of the past. It'll be just so beautiful, peaceful and wonderful and we've got the ability to be preparing ourselves for that now. Well, let's just jump back a bit and have a look at the world economy. Wow, interest rate rise today. Not sure exactly how much it was, 85 points or something. It was pretty, it was steeper than what most analysts said. That's here in Australia, but the interest rates are still relatively low. When I got married and had, uh, uh, we borrowed money, interest rates, you ready for this? For the younger marrieds, interest rates were 10 and a quarter percent. Well, someone's already fainted when I said that. <laughs> 10, and, 10 and a quarter percent. We borrowed $20,000 to buy a house because the house only cost 30000 right? It was all relative, I know. These days, you can't really borrow, you can't buy a house for probably under five hundred, four hundred thousand, 400000 maybe. I don't know, it might be even, it might be too low. This is Adelaide. It's getting worse. So when the interest rates go up a minuscule, the pressure of the economy and the wage packet and everything else bears heavily down upon family units. And it's, it's not good. This world is now currently in debt to $255 trillion. <laughs> Get your head around that. Oh, I think I've done this before, but I, I've got to do it again because I still struggle with trying to understand this, what it actually means to be in that much debt. $255 trillion. I can see some blank looks along some of these young ones here in the front row. Let me give you an example of what $225 trillion is actually like. Um, if I could spend $10,000 every second, it would take 800 years to pay off the debt. So if I went around and gave you, look at this young lady, he's going, really, <laughs> it's true, isn't it? If I had $10,000 in my pocket and I gave you one, young lady, 10,000, one second later I gave you one, and one second later and I kept on going, 800 years later I would have paid off 255 trillion, but, oh, sorry, there's still a little bit more because I haven't paid the interest off yet. That's how bad this world is, and they all owe it to each other, by the way. I have no idea, this is where, if Bruce was here, he could explain that perfectly, because he was brilliant at economy, and he would understand how all this works. I don't, but I tell you something right here and now, that is horrifying. Never before has this world been in so much debt. And the reason is because God said in the prophet Jeremiah, he said, the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. He just, we just cannot get it right. We can't. And I don't care what motive. Someone might have, some leader might have the world's best motives. It will not work because it's not inherent in our nature to do things correctly. And it's true. We've seen that since the time of Adam and Eve. And we only got to just look at the total wars, how much it's cost since 2001. It's just mind-blowing. It just, it just keeps going. But how's God going to clean this up? What, how will man's mess that he's made be fixed? It's, it's a good question. Well, we know it will be fixed, and you don't need to worry about the destruction of the world by mankind, because that ain't going to happen either. Here's what the Lord says in Isaiah 45. 
He said, Thus saith the Lord that created the, the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He made it not to be a waste, but to be a living place for man. This world is not going to be destroyed, all right? Don't ever think this world is going to be destroyed. It will never be destroyed, and we have that as a promise again by God. He created it not in vain. He didn't create it to be destroyed. He created it to be a, a vibrant place for man to live. It's anything but that, but he's created it to be that way and he intends on keeping that promise. Remember what we said in Numbers 14, 21? And kids, if you ever want to colour a verse in your Bible, that's the one to colour in. Numbers 14, 21. Truly I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord and it will happen. Again, Psalm 72. Blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Well, you might be saying, well, you're quoting a lot out of the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Doesn't, doesn't that talk about the, the heaven and the earth melting with a fervent heat? And, well, again, nothing to do with the physical planet in which we live or the heavens in which God's dwelling place is. They're not going to melt with fervent heat. But the governments are going to melt and be done away with because they're going to be replaced by... God's government and in fact in Acts 3 it talks about this refreshing time that will come about times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord uh, and it says he shall send his son the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth what is what is it when is that going to happen at what time will the Lord return well he goes on to tell us so he's going to send his son, Jesus Christ, back to the earth to give us that refreshing change that we all look forward to, who is to be kept in heaven until, kept in heaven until the time when all things are put right, of which God has given word by the mouth of his holy prophets. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I have set a day in which I'm going to send my son. You need to wait for that day, but you can be guaranteed that in this book I have set a day. A day has been set to favour Zion to, return, to send his son back to this earth and to bring about all the things we're talking about now. It is set. It's immovable, non-negotiable. It's a day. It's a day that is coming up and it will come up very, very shortly. So I think we've just outlined that word until. I think that's the key, isn't it? Until the time of all things that were written about in the Bible. Now, I want to leave with you five powerful, positive promises that God has given us. Where God's way versus man's way, where we're going to see a complete difference between what God has said and what man is doing. Five very positive promises that God has given to us. Let's have a look at the first one. First one, God's way. Healthy lives, joy, food increased. In other words, a very happy, contented life. This is God's way. Psalm 67, God's going to be merciful unto us. He's going to bless us. He's going to cause his face to shine upon us. 
that thy way may be known, that's God's way, upon the earth, thy saving health among all the nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. That hasn't been yet fulfilled, but there's a cast iron, wonderful, positive, powerful promise that God says is going to happen. Healthy, peaceful, wonderful lifestyle. And he goes on to say, Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our God, shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall respect him, not fear him as in cowering and frightened, but respect him, greatly revere and respect him. There's number one. Number two. Number two, God's way. There is going to be uh, no more angers, no anger and frustration. And we can all be a bit like that sometimes, can't we? Because it says in uh, Micah chapter 4, verse 3, and you'll notice there's quite a few verses out of the reading we did tonight, because this is about the kingdom age. He's going to judge disputes between many people and settle arguments between many nations, far and wide. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. So here is a complete reversal of what we've got happening now. Mankind can't quick enough throw you know, raw materials into a furnace and out the other end comes a you know, 50 cal rifle or a tank or an aircraft carrier or what else. Well, that's all going to be reversed. <laughs> all of those things that were one, uh, are now with us, you know, whatever it is, whatever form of military hardware it is, that's all going to get thrown into the furnace and out the other end is going to come tractors and ploughs and, and instruments for, for, for life and for creating and cultivating this world. It's, it's a complete reverse of what man's doing now. Someone's going to be in charge of that, by the way. We might be in charge of it. Some of you may well and truly be... Um, you know, good with your, your hands, tradespeople, whatever, I don't know. But all I know is there has to be a huge team involved in melting down all the armaments of this world and throwing them into a blast furnace and out the other end we're going to have fabricators into farming instruments of some description. That's what God has said is going to happen. And we won't train for war anymore. There's promise number two. What's promise number three? Promise number three. God's way will fix the environment. You know that apart from, well, I would almost say still probably number one major problem that everybody's thinking about around the world at the moment is the environmental crisis that we're in. And I think we're seeing the, the outcome of man's uh, problems that he's caused with the environment. And even in this city, I mean, you know... Uh, I'm drinking dirty water out of the tap at the moment because we've got an underground tank that holds our water that pumps it to the house. And I, I, I believe we've had the wettest start to winter than the last 102 years. Something like that I heard. I think it's right. And a lot of that came over the last weekend, all that rain that we had. Nothing like they get up in Lismore and all those places. But for little old Adelaide, we just, that's just never happened. 120 years ago was the last time we had such rain. And we're starting to see these weather events coming upon us around the planet and mankind has contributed to that. I'm sure they have and I think you would understand that now and they don't know how to do it, they don't know how to fix it, they don't know how to protect our lifestyle and at the same time get back to this zero carbon emissions. They don't know how to, they're, they're trying to balance it all and they, they, won't, they won't come up with an answer, it just won't work. God says I'll fix the problems 
and he, he gives us a couple of quotes. I won't read all that out. But he talks about the deserts will change. Now, God can do that instantly. He doesn't need to be putting in place zero carbon emission policies. He doesn't need to do any of that. He's got the power to be able to do all that. I will fix the problems, he says, about your environment. Leave that to me. Leave that to my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the team that might be very interested in working with him in that space. What, what, a, what a great job that's going to be. So there's, there's a number, another promise that God has given us, number three. Number four, God's way will provide satisfaction. Satisfaction. A life that will all go, oh, I just love waking up in the morning because I know I'm going to love today. I know that I'm going to love what's going to happen in my life today. Not a lot of us can get out of bed in the morning and say that. Although, if we believe in a better time to come, we can at least get out of the bed in the morning and say, you know what, today's probably not going to be a real great day, but oh wow, there's a better day to come. A better day to come. No longer will there be a child uh, whose days are cut short or an old man whose days have not come to their full measure. In other words, I'm going to give you complete um, satisfaction in that area. He goes on to say, uh, you're going to build your own houses and you're going to live in them peaceably. Bank's not going to own them anymore. You're going to plant your own agricultural vineyards. We're going to return to this agricultural type society. We're, going to, we're not going to be worrying about our crypto markets. We're not going to be worrying about mortgages. We're not going to be worrying about bank balances. None of that will be in play anymore. The days of my people will be like the days of a tree. And trees live for a very long time. And my loved ones will have joy in full measure in the work of their hands. It'll be an absolute time of satisfaction. That's the promise of God. That's his way, not man's. That's his way. Finally, one more. This is God's way. He wants to reward us with eternal life. He wants us there. He wants us there. It's not, God is not willing that any should perish. He wants to give us this kingdom. This is God's way. Now being made free from sin and become servants to God... Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. There's the promise that God has made. How wonderful that is going to be. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's he who is going to return, the Lord Jesus Christ, and rescue us from death. From sin and death. And that is another wonderful positive promise that God has given us how close are we to this being a reality when's it all going to happen I tell you what it's got to be soon it has to be soon we all want things to be done in in, in our time don't we you know we, we are given a short span of time and we all want things to be done in our time. We're, we are an impatient people, aren't we? And we think, why hasn't God done this now? Why hasn't God done this now? Well, God's been from everlasting and he's going to be to everlasting and he's not going to sit down and say, oh, Mike still wants my son to come back tomorrow. Okay, you can go back. No, he's set a time and it will happen. And we know, we don't know the day, but we know the time periods and we are living in those time periods. And we've been given some clues, and I'm not going into all these clues right now, but 
Jeremiah talks about Israel, Israel returning to the land, Israel being the focal point of the world, Israel as being the witnesses that God exists. He talks about Russia, he talks about war in Ezekiel 38. We can see that unravelling as we stand here tonight. It's, it's, it's all happening according to the jigsaw puzzle that the angels are all putting in place to bring about the big picture of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about increase of earthquakes. We've seen that. He talks about the disasters that are going on around the world. We can see that. These are all precursors, if you like, that have to occur prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about the distress and the fear that people will start feeling prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this world is absolutely distressed and they are in fear for what is going on on this planet and it is getting worse. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to be here soon and he's going to bring about all these sweeping changes that we've been speaking about tonight. But who is this man that is returning? Who is he? Well, these are words, just uh, somebody's put these together. I thought they were just very lovely words to, to just bring our night to a, to a close. And this is who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He was the greatest man in history, had no servants, yet they called him a master. He had no degrees, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings were afraid of him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. His name is Jesus. And the last words of, the, of the, this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, in fact, the last words of the Bible were by this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said this, Behold, I come suddenly. I come suddenly. In your version, it might say, say quickly, but in the Greek, it's Suddenly. I'm giving you all of the prophecies. I'm giving you all of the signs. I'm giving you all of those things that you need to be aware of to get yourself ready because when I come, I will come suddenly. And before you know it, he's in this earth. I want to be on the right side of him when he comes. I'm sure you do too. He wants us to be ready he wants us to be waiting and he wants us to be a part of this wonderful age to come where everyone will find rest between beneath their own fig trees and grapevines and they will live in peace. This is the solemn promise of the Lord all-powerful, says Micah 4 verse 4. I just wish I knew where that house was. I think I've said that before. I, if anyone knows where that house is, I want to go and visit it. It just looks like a place I want to live for a long, long time and enjoy a changed environment and a changed world. So let's all look forward to the coming kingdom. Um, it's uh, been a tough week for your meeting and for every meeting for that matter. Uh, a couple of weeks, really. Um, when I when Susie asked me to do this, uh, I said, can I do something on the kingdom? I know it doesn't fit in with your Acts talks, but I know this is what Bruce was looking forward to very, very much. In fact, he was so avid in the way he would preach the truth to look forward to this coming kingdom. Well, this kingdom's come for him, and it's going to come for us very, very, 
very shortly. I want to leave you with a, uh, this, this young lady, it's a song. Um, she's not young anymore, but when she was 12 years old, that's her there, she sang this most beautiful song that her uncle wrote. And it's called To Believe, and it's about a child's prayer. A child's prayer for the future, for the future age. And it is a beautiful song. We've just put a few, bit of vision with it. It may need to be, I don't know, I can't even see in there. If, if that was a car, that would be illegal because it's tinted too dark. Uh, <laughs> um, you might need to turn this up a bit. I'm not sure if anyone wants to go and say up or down. Uh, I'll leave you with this. I won't say any more, Jimmy, after this is finished. It's just a beautiful song and I think it encapsulates everything about this wonderful kingdom age in which we are looking forward to. It's called To Believe a Child's Prayer. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.